0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Is anybody here, uh, just because it's an obligation for tonight, did, did, did anybody, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, it's a rhetorical question, but is anybody here just... It's Wednesday night and I kind of grew up and just said, well, you know, I, I knew that you, if, it, if it's Wednesday night service, we should be in church. Is anybody here for that? Is anybody here for that reason? Does anybody come for that reason on any other time? It's, well, it's an obligation. It's church. You're supposed to be there. Sometimes you drag yourself. That's true. That's very honest, Sister Robin. And, and I've been in that place where I the whole way from work on the way to church before I was here going, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't feel like it, I don't, I just, uh, I'm tired, and I just, it's midweek, and I don't want to do it. But here's my other question for you, is, did anybody come in tonight saying firmly and boldly, I'm expecting something from God tonight? Because if God is here, and the Holy Spirit is here, and you're here, and the Holy Spirit's in you, anything can happen, right? Come on, let's be fair. I just feel like, I, I said it before, and I've I've said it from this pulpit before. It, uh, some of us we're just tired of mediocrity. We're just tired of filling in a role and, and and just being there because we're supposed to be there, and, and we don't want to be about that. And those of us that are ministering the word on a regular basis are trying to get that through. We're, we're we're feeling God moving on us, and 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 we're trying to instill that in some folks. And so here are the faithful few that that come on a Wednesday night. Sometimes maybe because of obligation, but. But you're here, and you're faithful, and sometimes because, you know what, I need to come. I'm expecting something. There's something going on. And, and what I'm trying to instill, and what I want to get across to folks and continue to build in this in this fervor and in, in this momentum that we have going forward is we should walk through those doors, every single service, expecting something, saying, God can do something amazing tonight. I've seen incredible things happen on, on a midweek service and on a Sunday morning service, and and so on and so I just challenge you a little bit and so thankful for those that are faithful but I'm going to be raw I'm going to be a little raw tonight is that, is that okay just a little I'm not going to hurt anybody but I'm going to be a little raw there are far too many empty seats in this room right now and I don't like it not because I'm counting God doesn't have a scorecard Brother Kylie, does God have a scorecard for pastors that he's you don't have one that you never told me about did you Brother Rob, did you guys have ever growing up have a score? No. no. It's not about that. It's not about it It's just that we so feel so urgently towards every opportunity that somebody's ministering in this room and and bringing the word of God and coming expecting, what does it say about us as a congregation, as a people, when we can say, well, the house of God is open, The, the altar is open, the spirit of God dwells here, it's the holy of holies, it's a place that nobody had the privilege to enter before Jesus died on the cross and gave us that opportunity. What an unbelievable treasure, what an incredibly powerful opportunity that we have, and we go. I'm a little tired. Amen. I'm a little tired. Work was tough today. Life's a little hard. I'm not again I'm not hurting anybody. What I'm trying to do is inspire the faithful few to get on board with this thing that we're trying to do. When Brother Rob and myself and Brother Kylie and, and the other teachers, when we prepare and we're seeking God and we're praying and we're fasting, we're trying to look down the road, God, what is it you want us to do? What are you driving us to? What, you know, the essence of what it is that we need to minister to our congregation. And, and perhaps there's somebody here this, or someone not here this evening that God would have a word for from, from, from one of these pastors and ministers and teachers that we have in rotation, and they don't show And I said just recently, I said, worse yet, we've had it in the past where a guest that someone had been inviting from time to time shows up, and their inviter's not here. That's not good. I have a vision. I know Brother Kylie has this vision. I know Brother Rob has this vision, that these services should and will look like a Sunday morning. And the Sunday mornings, amen. Amen. Come on, get on board with me now. Get on board with me now. And our Sunday mornings are going to look like Easter Sunday mornings. Come on now, right? Amen. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm a little unabashed, and I said I'd be a little raw, and I'm, and I'm going to continue to be because I just don't think there's time. I don't think there's time for for. for prancing around and tiptoeing through things. I don't do it, Brother Rob doesn't do it, Brother Kylie doesn't do it. It, it. It's time to get to the core of what we need to say. And we have to be unabashed about truth. We have to be unabashed about what needs to be said. Are we doing anybody any good if we watch them walk off a cliff because we don't want to offend them or we're afraid to say something wrong or, or gosh, it, it, it's a circumstance you're not aware of, Pastor. I, I can't ever be there. Okay, that's all fine. There's all those circumstances. But if we don't know that, if we don't try to find that out and try to push that issue a little bit, we're never going to know. And Effectively, we're letting them walk off a cliff. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to be a part of it, and I don't want to stand by and accept it as a norm. It doesn't have to be the norm. And I think God is moving amongst us and moving amongst our ministry in order to begin to change that. Well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? How's it going to happen? Yeah, we're preaching the word every Wednesday service. I'm just focusing on Wednesday nights because this is this is a little bit of our challenge. It's not the gist of my whole message, by the way. But I'm telling you what, I've sat in here again and again and again, and I've heard some great word, some excellent word of God from our, our Wednesday night ministry, and, and I poke in every once in a while just because I feel God's got something for me, but there's, and there's others that are, are, are stepping up to it to be part of that rotation, but There's great word that's being given. There's messages being delivered that that God is inspiring on these great speakers and, 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 and it's for the benefit of our church. And it's not okay that they're not here in whole. So how are we going to do it? What's, what's this magical secret? What, what, what's the idea? What, how does it happen? Why are you here and they're not? Why, why does that happen that way? And I think part of it is because, again, I think some are just true and faithful. Not just traditional, not just going through the motions, but you're true and faithful. You come knowing that you're going to get something. There's some feeding in there. There's some word that you're going to get, some great teaching you're going to get. But what's the differentiator? What, what is it that divides you from the other person? That's the mystery. And and I just want to point out, and I want to thank everybody that was able to make it here on Monday night. Monday night prayer, oh my goodness. We had some prayer warriors in here. I mean, some people were fired up and we inaugurated, if you saw the post I put on Facebook today, we inaugurated our prodigal project. I preached about it here just a couple weeks ago, but we inaugurated the first part of the prodigal project. I am drop dead serious about that. I am going to make, I'm going to lead the forefront. I'm going to spearhead this effort because I know many of you have come to me personally and have bought into this concept that God has given us a vision that we're not going to stand by and just move church on forward and leave any soul behind. We're not going to accept the fact that somebody full of the Holy Ghost that's been baptized in that tank over there for whatever reason it is, doesn't matter, has walked away from this situation and is wandering out there and we're just going to say the devil's got a grip on them that's so tight and so unbelievably breakable that we just can't ever see anything change so we're going to turn our sights forward and go save a new person. No, we're not going to do that. And so there was a group of people here on Monday night. We opened up the Prodigal Project and I want you to know that we stood toe to toe with this altar. We boldly approached the throne of grace with effectual, fervent prayer. We stood here and we called out every single name that was on the list that was provided. It's on the board over there. And as we prayed in the spirit, I want to tell you, I was calling the names out and every soul along this platform was calling out, praying in the spirit, in tongues, effectually, powerfully, unafraid, unembarrassed, ready to roll to the kingdom and say, I want this name. I want this person the cacophony of praise and the power of the Spirit that was in this room was unbelievable. Every person. Your pastor prompted them, no English. Why? Because I wanted to pray in the Spirit. Powerfully in the Spirit. If you're not making, folks, again, I'm going to be a little raw. I'm not here to hurt anybody. But if there is somebody in your life Someone, whether they're saved or not saved, but primarily if there's someone in your life, a child, a relative that is weighing heavy on your heart, they're out there. I want to tell you that the grip that we see in our mind that the devil has on these people is not a grip. It's a tiny infinitesimal, less than a hair's width thread, barely hanging on in contrast to the power of God and what he can do if we get up off of our chairs and decide this day and no further, and we don't accept that. And those people that were here on Monday night, they said, this night and no further. We don't accept that. Man, there were some warriors born on Monday night. There was some powerful warriors born on Monday night. And a couple of them just woke up a little bit. And a couple of them were right along with it all the time. That's okay. But we're not going to settle for less anymore. This is Pentecost. This is the apostolic movement. This is the power of God. This is the Holy Ghost that we're talking about. We're not going to settle for less anymore. I want to talk to you tonight about truth. Do you know the truth? Know in all capital K N O W. Do you know the truth? The way that we're going to reach these folks, the way that we're going to see this place. Why is it so important? Again, there's no scorecard. We confirm that. I don't get points. doesn't escalate my time to heaven. It's obviously because people so desperately need him. They desperately need to be fed. They need the truth continuously injected in their lives. We live in a world... Where everything that anything that can be said about anything is said thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times a day we're bombarded with media, we're bombarded with messages. what they call the truth, the next person says is a lie, and what that person says is the truth, the other side says is a lie. we're swimming around all of this stuff constantly. and the, and the Bible talks about it, and we're going to talk about how, how the Bible literally laid this out for us. It warns us if we were warned again and again and again the truth would be made a lie and the lie a truth, and people would be deceived by lies and they would believe these things and we've got to know that we've got to be empowered with that not just for ourselves but for the people that we're going to go out and impact and that we're going to reach the truth is so impre- and it's just incredibly critical because outside these walls it doesn't exist there is no definition of truth anymore so why is it so important because truth is life And that's what Jesus brought. In John chapter 4, I'm going to take you there. I'm going to spend a little time in the book of John. You've heard this scripture many times, and I'm just going to expound on it just a little bit. Do you know the truth? Do you know it? Is it absolute in your mind? Because if it is, I will contend in relation to what I was just saying, if you know the truth, you will know that it's not okay that so many just don't show up on a Wednesday night to hear the word of God. If it wasn't a big deal, well, we'd just close the doors on Wednesday night. We can save on the light bill, save on the heat bill, right? We can just, it doesn't matter. One service a week is enough. How about half a service? How about we just just phone it in? How about the pastor just writes an email every week and just sends it out? If you know the truth, you know that what I'm saying is true, that it's not okay. And that it's important for us to know it. John chapter 4, 23 and 24 says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit And in truth. And you've heard this preached about many times. I know I've got the faithful here. In spirit and in truth. Worshiping in truth. If you're selling me That I can't come ever on a Wednesday night because I just have too busy of a schedule or I have to work. There's no possible way I can ever come to any other service but Sunday morning and you come and you worship like the greatest worshiper in the world but you're still denying the fact that you should be here, that there's something that God is drawing you to and you're gonna say that I can't do that but when you really can, you're not worshiping in truth. You're putting something above God that doesn't belong above God. Come on now. Is that offensive to people? Is that a bad word? We gotta be in the spirit, but we've gotta be in the truth. What does it mean to worship Him in truth? It means that with everything we have in honesty and integrity, we're here. We know, yeah, sure, some people are gonna have to be out. Some people work on Wednesday nights. You understand, I'm not attacking these folks. What I'm trying to do is establish an urgency, a need for the word, a need to be fed, a need for these folks to have an urgency and a desire for the greater things because now is, the time has come and now is time for the worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. It's now, now is the time. Today is the day. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We can't live this thing halfway, is what I'm trying to say. The Wednesday night thing is just an indicate, it's just an example of of commitment, is what I'm talking about. You understand? It goes well beyond just coming and sitting in a seat on Wednesday night, is what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is is that there's so much more to worshiping and living in truth. Do you know the truth? Are you being it's an integrity thing. Are we really giving it everything? Are we doing this thing halfway? Are we just filling a role? Is it just because you grew up and Wednesday nights the church was open and so you're just filling that obligation? That's what I'm talking about. Truth is so incredibly critical and there's, and there's, there's definition to it. There's, there's aspects to it that we need to truly understand. In John 8 and 32, the famous line, we hear it all the time, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? What is it about truth that's freeing or liberating? Think about it. There's people out there that are being lied to and deceived. And as they're being lied to and deceived in this society, they're being imprisoned and they don't even know it. When the enemy lies and deceives people and he tells them all these wonderful things, go and do these sins, and he tempts them into things, he's slowly bringing them into a prison of sin and degradation. It's a lie. It's a prison that they end up falling in because they're not believing the truth. That's why the truth is a freer. It releases you from that. It's knowledge. Knowledge is power, right? That's why the truth is so incredibly important. That's how it sets you free. When you know what the ultimate pure truth is, there is nothing that can come against what you know and what you believe and what God can do in your life. It's armor. It's incredibly powerful. The Bible says that we're supposed to gird up ourselves with truth. You know, in, chapter, in Ephesians chapter four, the armor of God, right? Now, when a Roman soldier was getting ready to put on his armor, by the way, in, in scripture, where it talks about each of the pieces of the armor, that's exactly the order that they would put those pieces of armor on. The first one, the first piece, is to gird up your loins in truth. It's not even a piece of the armor. It's actually a piece that helps hold all the armor together underneath and helps hold you together, so to speak. Okay, when it talks about your loins, it talks about the underbelly, okay? That soft spot that if a sword got in there, if you got punched right there, you know, I'm not going to point, it, but some people think it's something else, and it's not, okay? It's not what you're thinking. It's... Your guts, it's that lower level of your guts. It's a soft area. It's an easy area to penetrate with a sword. But at the same time, when you got all that armor stuff hanging, they had leg things and they had the, the braided thing around here and the sword sheath and all that stuff, if those things aren't tightened in a certain way and brought together in a certain way and the soldier's running, all that stuff's clacking around and flying all over the place. And so when he says, gird up your loins... There, there's a piece of cloth. It's an important belt that they would pick up and they'd wrap around themselves and they'd somehow they'd fasten it inside the armor and they'd pull that thing tight. But here's what was neat about that. There was some aspect of that and I've researched this for a while. There's an aspect of that process and maybe you guys can see that. I'm gonna try to draw a picture in your mind. I hope I don't fall on my face on this, but you ever see like a, a TV show or a movie or somebody's getting ready for battle or getting ready for the fight or Rocky's putting his gloves on or whatever, and there's always that moment where they pull up that zipper real hard, right? Or they tighten that string. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) These guys are like, you are such a fool. But you know what I'm talking about, right? You got that music playing, that dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, and they go, z, and they're ready for battle. Literally, in research, what I have found is that at that moment— When they grabbed that first piece and that first belt, it was their readyment for battle. It was a psychological, like, cinch that thing up, I'm ready for battle. Because my armor's on, it's tight, and it's ready to go, and there ain't stuff clacking and flying around, and I can run freely, and I'm going to be able to be great in battle. That's what it was about. I'm telling you tonight, you gird yourself up in truth. Show up on a Wednesday night. Show up on a Sunday morning. Show up on another event. When Sister Oliver's here, ladies, on Saturday morning, you walk into that place and you, whoosh, Gird yourself up with that truth because she's going to bring it. She's going to bring something powerful. And for every woman that chooses to stay home, well, I, I saw her last year. You know, she was, I remember that. It was good. Shame on that. That's not the way to do it. Come on, come into battle and ready to fight. Cinch that thing up. John chapter 14 and 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is the truth. There's the answer for you. Somebody comes to you, well, I don't know, what is the truth, Jesus? No, seriously, what's the truth, Jesus? All answers lead back to Jesus, the right ones anyway. Come on now. He didn't say he would show us the way. He didn't point the direction. He didn't give us a map. He said he is the way. Come on now. He didn't promise to teach us truth. He didn't promise to show us truth, example truth. He said he is truth. Jesus didn't offer the meaning of life, he didn't give some sort of philosophical thing about, oh, this is what the meaning of life is, etc. He said he is the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. For those who are wandering, are lost, they don't know where they're going, Jesus is the way. Come on now, for those who are confused, who are in fear, who don't know what to do is right, Jesus is the truth. Come on, this is your message now for those who are defeated, those who are dead inside, those who are struggling out there. Jesus is the life. You see what I'm talking about? That's truth. That's power that we can give to anybody. Isn't it simple? Isn't it simple that all we need to do is preach the kingdom, preach Jesus Christ, and everything else falls underneath that? I'm telling you tonight, do you know the truth? Because it'll set you free, and then you can turn around and you can set somebody else free. Oh, I got a friend that's dealing you know, dealing with depression, and they're struggling, and they're contemplating suicide. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Can you get convicted about that? Can you get over the idea? Well, I know they're depressed, but they, they won't come to church because you know that's not their answer. They you know they're going to a, a shrink or they're going. I don't have anything against counseling. Don't get me wrong. But can you get over the mental stigma, stigma that we have, or the or the challenge that we have, or that little suggestion that the devil puts in our head all the time? Well, they don't want to hear that; they're going to reject that. No, you show them Jesus. You show them the truth. You show them the way. You show them the life. Come on, now you can do it. Ironically, now look at the irony of this: Jesus' way, when He was the way, His way ended up on the cross. He was crucified. His way led to death. He was convicted because lies were told about him. Where's the truth in that? And he, he didn't even defend those lies. He didn't say anything, right, Brother Kylie? If he said anything, he quoted Scripture. But most of the time, he stood silent. But I want to tell you something. His way led to the cross, Led to his death, which leads to resurrection, which is our life. His denial and his or his lack of denial, or he didn't fight at that at that council that stood before him and lied. He didn't try to fight against it. He stood there and he could have said, No, that's not true, that's not a lie. He didn't, why didn't he defend himself? Because he was willing to die for the truth that he brought. And that in itself should tell us that he is the truth. If you're willing to die for it, it's truth. And you could share that. That same chapter in verse 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. But here's the answer to that scripture. Because you know him, and because he's in you, it is your job You see, that's what this thing is saying because he is in you. No, the world can't see him on their own. What does the word say without a preacher? Right? That doesn't mean me. Doesn't even mean you necessarily, Brother Robert, Brother Kylie. It means the person in whom he dwells, the person who does know him. Do you know the truth? Come on now, do you know the truth? If you know the truth, Then you know him and he abides in you. You are the minister for him because then they will see him. They will receive him. That's what Jesus is trying to tell these apostles. Look at John 15 for a furtherance of, of this promise. John 15 and 26. Is this making sense? Is it resonating? We've got to just so, I don't know how to express this in better words. I'm just, I just don't have the vocabulary for it. We just have to so convictedly, bigly if you will, if you want to take it from modern vernacular. We've got to, in such a convicted way, know this truth. Can't have it in our back pockets. Can't keep it in a backpack or in a briefcase or, or in your wallet. You've got to be carrying it up here. First thing, most biggest priority, don't keep it back stored away here. Don't keep it in a home on your bookcase. Don't don't, don't have it prepared when you can pull it out when you need to once in a while. But you need to take that truth. You need to wake up in the morning and say, I, Jesus, am the way and the truth and the life. And something is gonna happen today. I'm gonna affect this world. I'm gonna do what I'm called to do because through us, they will see him. Through us, they will receive him. Through us, we will have this job done. You gotta carry it up here. You gotta be a light shining on the beacon, a beacon shining, on the hill, you've got to be the one that says, yes, I can show the way, I can show the truth, and I can be the life for these folks. 17, excuse me, 15 and 26 says, but when the comforter is come, who's the comforter? Yes, sir. When I will send unto you from the Father even the Spirit of truth. Now, who, who'd you say the comforter was? The comforter is come. Will I send unto you from the Father even the Spirit of truth? which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. It's Jesus. Again, do you know the truth? Do you know, capital N, K-N-O-W, do you know the truth? Because the spirit of truth, the comforter, is Jesus. And he shall testify of me. In other words, he'll give you the words. You know something, folks? Folks, if you've never taught a Bible study, I want to tell you something right now. For everyone that the, the devil just said, well, I can't do that because I'm not a good teacher. That's a lie, and it's not about you. I want to tell you something. The word does the work. You could, you could be a hair lip with a lisp and, and struggle with a crazy accent. I don't care what the situation is, but if you're sharing with them the word of God, the word of God has the power. Brother Kylie taught me that from the first day I started teaching Bible studies. It ain't about you. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your knowledge of the word. But as you're beginning to share the word, what is their word? Thy word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. As you're delivering that word of God, it's going out. The Bible says it'll not come back void. Just keep casting your bread on the water. It's not about you. It's about sharing the word of God. The word will do the work. I promise you. I promise you, if you just share the word, it goes out. It's the seed. It's Him. What is the word? Come on. Someone said it. It's, you can say it louder. This is church. Yes, it's Jesus. You, you kind of, you getting the flow of it? You getting the idea behind this thing now? You know the truth. Okay. Stop beating us with it, Cordell. All right, John 17. I just said it a moment ago, Jesus prays for his disciples, John 17, 17. If you read that whole beginning of that chapter, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He knows what he's about to send them out to do, and he says, to, as he's praying to God, he says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And we just learned in, in the previous chapter that the Spirit is the truth. We know that the Spirit is the comforter, Jesus is the comforter. We know all this stuff. This is academic, right? But do you understand when he said, sanctify them through your truth? That word is truth. He was giving them power. Incredible power. Do you understand? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit tonight. I apologize. I'll go back. He was, talk, he was praying to God, right? He was praying to his heavenly father. The flesh of Jesus was praying to the heavenly father. Sanctify them with your truth. Thy word is truth. He was praying for his disciples. Do you understand that this is still happening today? God is still saying, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. He's talking about you. You are being sanctified every day, every time that you're here absorbing this truth. When you're reading your word at home, when you're active in the Bible, and you're active in ministry, you're being sanctified by the truth. He's still, Jesus is still praying for you. He's still sanctifying you. In other words, he's still giving you the power. He's still giving you that anointing, that sanctification. It's now. It wasn't just those guys. It's all of us. Through his spirit. Remember he said that earlier. He said, for he will, He that dwelleth in you and shall be in you. Anybody here have the Holy Ghost? Look at the converse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm just going to read you verses 10 and 12. And I just cut a piece here. You get the point. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. And with all deceivableness of of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. A denial or a lack or a refusal of the truth can cost you your soul. And it will cost people their souls. Verse 12 says that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And there will be those folks. There will be those people. Turn on CNN. Or MSNBC or Fox or any of these other people out there that are spewing quote unquote truth. Remember Paul's famous letter to Timothy in 2 Timothy. You don't have to turn to all these. I'm going to go a little quickly here and then wrap up. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, most of you are very familiar with it. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Read it. Study it. Be in it. Be about it. But I'd so much rather be a part of rightly dividing it in front of a couple of people who have never heard it before. Or maybe you've heard just a couple of pieces, but but maybe not the pieces that we need to show them. Not the traditional pieces, the stuff that puts people to sleep on Sunday morning. The people that walk in here expecting this to be one of those, you know, stand, sit, stand, stand, kneel, sit, stand, all that stuff, it, it, it bores them to death. Let's be honest. But maybe we rightly divide this thing in front of people who aren't even aware of the power that it has. Do you know the truth? Do you believe it has power? When you look at this thing, do you say, this is powerful? This is powerful. When you pull this out and begin to read it, you understand the power that you're instilling within yourself by absorbing this truth. In the next chapter over in verse 7, talking about the people ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You You can go through all those scriptures. I'm hitting you the highlights. You know what they are people that are constantly swirling around, fighting one another, and, and the Bible talks about all these, these conversations and doting about all these philosophies and vanity. Well, you know, this word doesn't actually mean, and the exegesis of that word is actually nonsense. Read it. You don't have to define every word. You don't have to actually even know the definition of every Greek origin of whatever blah, 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 academic garbage that they put out there. What you do is you read it. You absorb it, and God does the work because his word is Truth. And if his word is Jesus and Jesus is in you, there's all the power that you need. You don't need to speak Latin, Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, uh, Hebrew. What you do is you share the word. But see, it talks about those people that are ever learning, ever learning. What they mean by ever learning is just constant, this academia thing that we got going on right now. We're so stinking smart in this world. We got all this Google stuff and and computer things and we can look up any kind of language and we, oh, we're just brilliant. We're super smart. And so they're just ever learning, ever learning. There's a deeper knowledge to have there. There's, oh, you've got it all wrong, Pentecostal people. There's a deeper word here and there's a deeper meaning. And, And every scripture that we bring up that talks about salvation, well, you know, that wasn't in the original... Josephus, Smith, uh, you know, Abel, blah, 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 whatever. That's academia. What it's trying to do is draw away from the fact that whether you know it or not or you understand it or not as you're reading it, it's pure truth. It's absolute truth. Do you know that this is absolute truth? Do you know it in your heart? Are you firmly convicted that this is absolute truth? Well, Pastor... uh you know, you interpret it your way, and I'll interpret it my way, and everybody interprets it their own way. No. That's wrong. We've heard that for years. Do you have an answer for that? Are you prepared to come against that? Or 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 do you just kind of sheepish like, well, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's true. Are you ready? Do you know the truth? Next chapter over in verse four. Second, I'm still in 2 Timothy, sorry. 2 Timothy 4 and 4 literally says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and they shall be turned unto fables. Lest there be preachers. There's a scripture in 3 John. We don't read a lot out of 3 John very much, but having to do with the truth. And I thought I'd just put in there my, my daughter Maddie's home from college. They, so everybody say, hi, Maddie. She's home on spring break. Coronavirus break. I'm kidding. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, Third John 1 and 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are saved. Nope. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children have all gotten married and have very successful jobs and live in large homes. No, sir. I have no greater joy and to hear that my children walk in truth. Because truth is what it's all about. Truth is at the core of everything that's of value that we should be focused on. Everything that we should hold dear is based in truth. I talked a moment ago about the battle armor. You can look that up if you want. I did some research on it. You might get a different perspective on it. I just wanted to be a little animated make you laugh a little bit but that is true the binding of that belt that was that you ever see these fighters that when they get ready to do their fights or they're, they're, they're even the sumo guys don't, don't look at those guys they're just gross but there's always that grunt you know and the football players bang on the lockers and they do all that kind of stuff and then they take their belt and it's it's getting ready for the battle it's psyching up it's getting those it's getting that energy flowing. You understand what I'm saying? I hope the illustration is coming through. I'm kind of beating it to death a little bit up here. I'm saying when you get ready to go, when you get out on the mission field, you're getting a hold of your truth. Man, just get that thing ready. I'm going to teach the truth today. If you know it, if you know the truth, you should have no problems with confidence, no problems to share it. And I'll tell you what, you've heard me say this before. If you begin to pray, if you begin to talk to God and say, God, i want to affect somebody's life today. I want to reach someone today. Send me somebody. I'm not a door knocker. I'm not a phone caller. I'm not really good at reaching out to, to coworkers and neighbors, but I want, to, I want to share this word. I know the truth, and I want to share it, and I want to be effective for the kingdom. If you're not any of those things and you start to pray to God, God, send me somebody. Send me somebody. I guarantee you, I will stand, I bet my house on it, that God will send you someone. Someone you never thought of. Some thing from out in left field, some crazy thing. Somebody will walk up and say, tell me about your church. How many people know my favorite question? Come on, I don't have any followers. Bingo! thank you, Victoria. I have one. I have one. What is Apostolic when so I take my somebody was listening, take my big breath. Oh, I love to share what apostolic means. Come on, they'll do it. If you put your heart to it, if you put your prayers to it, God will put somebody in your path. Someone you may not have ever expected. And maybe you got a specific somebody on your mind. And then what you do is you say, Listen, God, okay, I haven't done a very good job thus far. Maybe you have. I don't, I'm not pointing at anybody in particular. We could all do better, right? Pastor Cordell can do way better than he has. I'm preaching to myself. You talk to God and you say, "God, Bob is on my mind, and I've done a terrible job. And I see him all the time, and I think about sharing the word. I think about inviting him to church. I just don't know what to do." Here's what I do, and you don't have to do my way. I'm not the. I'm not the. I'm not the example per se, but here's what I do. God, open the door. And give me the words. And I want to tell you, every time I pray that, somewhere in the course of that process, somehow the door is suddenly open. Hey, Cordell, you go to church a lot, right? A couple times, a little bit. (laughs) What's the deal with that? (sighs) See what I'm saying? It can be that simple. If you care enough if you want it, and you know the truth. I'm going to close on these last two scriptures. The Bible, as God chose to put it in here, he knew, he, knew, he knows the beginning from the end, and he knew what we would face, the assault on, on truth. He knew from the very beginning that every step of the way, from the time that Jesus showed up on the scene and began to preach to the time he was crucified and on into the end of time, he knew that the truth would be under assault. And make no mistake, the people that you care about, the ones that you would love to see here, the ones that you'd love to see at this altar, repenting and turning their lives over to God, make no mistake that they've been bombarded with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lies, even related specifically in many cases to the United Pentecostal Church International. Not just the Bible, not just God, not just faith or religion, sometimes even specifically about your own home church. Just understand, that's what you're up against now. But if you know the truth, K-N-O-W, capital, know the truth, none of that garbage can stand. Gone. Not because you're super eloquent and you have all this amazing, incredible knowledge. Not because you're some special person, but because if the truth is in you and you begin to share the truth, that's Jesus Christ reaching outside of you. Those rivers of living water that are pouring out of you are reaching into that person's heart and planting seeds and making a difference and taking down all of those lies. There isn't a lie that's been said against Jesus Christ in the history of time that has ever stood against ultimate truth. And you got to know that you have that power with inside you. And if you stand against it and you begin to share that truth, you will make a difference. In Jesus' name. The prophet Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 30, and I'm closing on these two scriptures. Isaiah 30, 9 and 10. I'm cutting into the scripture a little bit here for time's sake. But it starts out and... Uh, Isaiah is talking about the rebellious people of Israel. says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not. They literally were telling, the, the, these, these are Egyptians they're talking about, say, I'm sorry, I said Israelites. They say, say to the seers, see not. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Don't see things. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things, prophesied deceits. Literally, they weren't saying these things probably in those exact words, but their actions and their other words were communicating, don't tell me the truth. Don't tell me what's real. Don't tell me the true prophecies of God. Tell me what's smooth. Tell me what I want to hear. Now that's reflected in, in 2 Timothy 4, a scripture, again, you all know very well. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, and you can stand with me tonight. For the time will come, it's now, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Precisely what the prophet Isaiah was talking about. God help us if there are those that have passed through these walls, passed through these doors that that scripture is describing. God help us if there are those that have been deceived out there and mixed up with all this stuff and haven't had an opportunity to hear this truth and we could have given it to them. I'm just trying to inspire you tonight church. I'm just trying to speak to you now. I said it was going to be a little rough. It's a little raw. But here's the good news. You know the truth. Because everybody in here, I believe, said that they have the Holy Ghost. By the way, if there's somebody here who doesn't have the Holy Ghost, stay a little longer. We'll we'll take care of that. But you've got the Spirit in you. You've got the Word of God in you. If you've studied it at any length, if you've read a few scriptures, if you know the salvation plan, the bare minimum, you've got a power to reach out to people and share that truth and make a difference. I want us to share that truth. I want you to know that truth better than anything else. Because we got to start caring enough about this world. Caring about the people that are surrounding us. And here's the last raw thing I'm going to say to you. And I don't mean to put a downer on it. But I want you to think about it the way that God impressed it on me as a young man. It's hard to hear. And I'm so sorry I have to say it this way but I have to get it to you. Every person that you encounter, every person that you know that does not have this truth and has not been reached with it yet, every person is in danger of hellfire. And God began to show me this picture in different environments one night, as a matter of fact, Brother Z, we were out at the do you remember this? We were out at the Admiral's game with a group of guys from church. We were in a, out in the lobby getting our nachos and hot dogs or whatever. And we're all laughing and having a good time ready for the Admiral's game. And I remember walking up that tunnel to go to get to our seats and all the guys were with me, and we I was on the tail end of the group and they were turning to go into the seats, and I just happened to stop and look up. And it was like slow motion. It was like everything just sort of froze. And I looked out across this auditorium and I saw thousands of people, thousands of souls. And God spoke to my heart and said, who's going to reach them? Who's going to save them? And it almost knocked me over. And I remember just a wave of agony. Agony coming over me for a second as I stood there and I looked across that auditorium I went, my God and this is just one venue one place there's literally millions millions of people out there we can't save them all but buddy we sure better be caring about saving a few and the ones that we can get to they need you they need him And we need to be about that business. Jesus' name. God, we're so thankful, Lord, for the truth. We believe it, God. We know that your word is truth. We know that you sanctify us, God, by your truth. We know that your spirit dwells within us, Lord. We know that the promise is that if we open our mouths and begin to speak and to witness and share, that you'll bring to our remembrance, God, the words that we need to know. But God, I pray for this congregation tonight, for every one of us, myself included. God, I ask for a powerful courage to come across my church. God, a courage and a drive and a desire and a desperation to come across to every soul, Lord. That whoever they encounter in life, that they put that person in their memory. That they get a burden for that person. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast.